Our title of today's message is Clothed in Christ, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 13, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, starting around in verse 8. So how many people here will ever admit to having a fashion disaster? Anyone ever had one of those fashion faux pas, fashion disasters, wore something that was kind of out of uh, a vogue at that time? I know that Personally, I generally don't care about that kind of stuff. I, uh, I don't really cons- uh, take a lot of concern about what the latest fashion is. And I know everybody here is saying, yeah, we know, we know, we know. And this didn't just start in my adult life. I want to take you back to one of the greatest decades that humanity has ever gone through, the 1980s. If you were a teenager in the 80s, it was awesome. Wasn't the, the 80s were just awesome. We had, all of a sudden, we had cable TV. We had more than three channels that we could, we could get in on. We had hundreds of channels suddenly. We had huge projection TVs that you could buy. My dad bought one. It was huge. I mean, I think we had like a 14-inch TV before that, and all of a sudden, we have like a 20- or 30-inch TV, and it was, it was huge. We had a VCR, or if you were a real nerd, you had a Betamax. You had remote controls. Remember that was one of your, cho- your jobs as a child was to go turn the TV knob for your dad? That it was for me. We had to go turn the TV for dad. Or if you were in the 80s, maybe somewhat in the late 70s, you had to go turn the dial on the antenna and make the antenna twirl. Anybody have one of those? Where the antenna would turn and, and catch the, the latest uh, TV show, depending on which way the wind was blowing? Any of your parents ever have you, like, with the rabbit ears on top of the TV, like, hold the rabbit ear and then, like, kind of go like this so your mom can watch her soap opera? <laughs> Just different things like that, that that we came out of the 80s. And, and fashion was one of the big things in the 80s. I'm not sure how much it hit here in west central Wisconsin, but in the cities, any male over the age of 12 had to own a white blazer. They had to have that white blazer because you had to look like Sonny Crockett on Miami Vice. You just, you had to have that. Another fad that hit for a little while, parachute pants. Anybody remember parachute pants? If you don't know what those are, God bless you. You are are saved from this awful sin. Michael Jackson made them famous, and in a lot of his videos you saw them, they were kind of made out of a a plasticky kind of thing with zippers all over them, and they were huge in fashion. Anybody who was cool had to have parachute pants. And I begged, Dad, can you get me some parachute pants? I want some parachute pants. My dad said, those things are ridiculous, and no son of mine is going to wear them. I will not buy you parachute pants. Well, finally, my stepmom and I were walking through Shopko, and I see clearance, parachute pants, really, really cheap. And I said, can I get some parachute pants? They're only like five bucks. Can I, can I get some? And she relented and she bought me a pair of parachute pants. She just said, don't let your father ever see you wear them. Otherwise, he's going to give me grief. I said, okay, awesome. So my dad goes to work Monday morning. I throw on my parachute pants, get ready to go to school. I walk into school with my brand new pair of parachute pants. Like, and I'm going to look so cool. And everybody was looking at me going, <laughs> like that. They had gone out of style about a month before, and that's why they were on clearance. So I don't think I ever wore them again. I tried to give them to my brother. I asked my brother about this this week. Did you ever take those? He goes, no, I refuse to wear those stupid things. I can't believe you got them. 
And we remember we threw them right in the Goodwill bag and we brought them to the thrift store and I don't even think they wanted them. And this world can be pretty fickle about such things, can it? When I was studying for the ministry, something popped out at me when I was studying the book of Genesis and about how God killed an animal to clothe Adam and Eve after they rebelled against him. And it occurred to me when I read that, that clothing itself is representative of our fall from grace, isn't it? It's a representative that we no longer have an innocent mind and we have to cover our bodies so that we don't lead each other into sin. And you see, clothing represented several different ways in the Bible. In Zechariah chapter 3, you see a man named Joshua, who was the high priest at the time, the post-exiles, all coming back from Babylon, back into to Jerusalem. And they named Joshua the high priest. Joshua is standing before the judge, who is God the Father. He is standing with the angel of the Lord, and Satan is accusing him. Now the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, whenever you see that phrase, the angel of the Lord, and capital L-O-R-D, that's Jesus. That's Jesus pre-incarnate. And, Josh, and Joshua is being defended by the angel of the Lord in this kind of a courtroom scene with Satan being the prosecuting attorney. And it says that the garments that Joshua wore were stained. They were in tatters. They were just almost falling off of him. He would be like pig pen of heaven with flies buzzing around him. They were just wretched clothing. And you see the father rebuke Satan. And then the angel of the Lord speaks. And the angel of the Lord says to Joshua, or says to the people around Joshua, give him new robes, for he has taken away Joshua's sin. And I thought that was really interesting. Of, of all the things that Jesus could have said to Joshua during that time, he didn't speak peace to him. He didn't declare him innocent necessarily of any crime. Jesus gives him new clothes. And we read other accounts in the Old Testament where people are going to meet God. God always told them to stop, particularly in the first five books of the Bible. God tells them to stop and wash their clothes before going and meeting with God, even if they were going to be going up the side of the mountain. I mean, think about God telling you this morning that I want you to come and meet with me on the top of Mount McKinley. And I, want you, I don't want you to put on climbing clothes. I don't want you to put on boots. I want you to put on your Sunday best and climb up this mountain and come and see me. I thought that that was kind of an odd thing for God to, to tell people. And because of these passages in the Old Testament, it became a tradition of putting your best clothes on to come to church for many, many centuries. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think it misses the major point when it comes to what we cover ourselves with. Because no matter how much we spend, no matter what name is on the label of what we are wearing, or how good it looks today, any piece of clothing that we can buy here on earth is going to fade. It's going to fail. It's going to deteriorate. And that's why here in Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul is taking our eyes off of all that worldly things and all the worldly fashion and points us instead to what is eternal. 
In a spiritual way, we are to see ourselves and experience the fullness of God. And I'll read Romans 13, 8 through 14 in its entirety, and then I'll break it down as we go. Romans 8, 13, starting in verse 8. Or excuse me, 13, 13, starting in verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you take this extremely important concept of clothing ourselves in Christ and make it real for us today. Help us to see that it is one of the ways that that we can live in such a way that shines the light of Jesus into a world that desperately, desperately needs to bend the knee to him. Lord God, use this time to prepare us and equip us to be awesome ambassadors for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of my favorite TV shows growing up was a show called The Greatest American Hero. I don't know how many people remember that TV show. It was in the late 70s, early 80s. The show evolved around a school teacher that found a, a superhero suit and left by aliens, I guess. And the aliens left the instruction manuals to the superhero suit, but he never found that. He had only the superhero suit. And so whenever he put this suit on, he basically had the same powers as Superman. He could fly, he could see through things, had super strength, all these kind of things. But because he didn't know how to use the suit, half the show was him struggling and flying into buildings and, and doing all kinds of weird things because he didn't know how to, to use the suit that he was given. Why do I bring that up? Because you and I have been given like an incredible superhero suit to wear in this life and it's not just something that gives us power when we put it on to do good for the world you see we not only develop this supernatural strength but we also get wisdom and knowledge and power because the designer of the suit is intricately woven in the suit Jesus Christ comes and fills us and, and empowers us and covers us and brings with it all of his attributes. And that's why verse 14 of Romans 13 tells us to clothe ourselves with Jesus. The preceding verses explain the power and the character that will become ours when we choose to do just that. Well, let's look at one of those first superpowers, and that is love. 
It says, let no debt remain outstanding except for the continued debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And that word for love there is the Greek word agape. Out of the four or five Greek words that are translated into the English word love, agape is the word that expresses the unselfish and overwhelming love of God that was shown to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus put aside his rights as God, became human flesh, and then died on a Roman cross to pay for our sins. Agape love is the choice that we make to, lo- to prefer others and serve other people's needs over our own. This is a superpower that many of our church have allowed Christ to do through them. Some people took almost a week out of their schedules to do repairs and paintings of the parsonage. That's an example of agape love in action. But even more recently than that, I saw agape love here last Sunday morning. If you weren't here last Sunday, I spoke about the first part of Romans chapter 13, of how a Christian should be a good witness to the world by being obedient to the secular governing authorities unless they are telling us to do something against our faith. Then right after the message, we had an informal discussion about if we wanted to continue to wear face masks in church because there was many people that really didn't want to wear them anymore and didn't see a large benefit in doing so. But we also have people in the church that desperately want to remain healthy and frankly would benefit from everyone wearing a mask around them because they have pre-existing conditions or they're on medications that would make them more susceptible to getting sick. And really without me saying a lot, prodding people and to move in every direction, those who didn't want to wear the mask decided out of love for their Christian brothers and sisters said, I would be happy to wear a mask in order that everybody can feel safe coming to church. And I'm not sure if this is the right way to say this, but I was incredibly proud of my church family then. I was, because I saw Christ in action through many of the words and many of the expressions that I heard through that. Because, you know, There are other churches in our area right now. I've talked to a few of the elders and a few of the pastors in the area. They're splitting over these kind of things. And our church, I think, handled that extremely maturely in Christ. You as a church family put on the Lord Jesus Christ in that moment. And I just want to thank you as your pastor because I was incredibly moved by that. Another spiritual benefit to putting on Jesus during this time is having a supernatural understanding of the time that we live in. You know, one of the awesome things about Superman, evildoers really couldn't hide from him. He could see through walls, super hearing, could hear what they're saying, and and just different super abilities that he had that evildoers had really a lot of times um, getting away from him or hiding from him. Through putting on Jesus Christ, we have that 
And we have it even better. You see, Jesus knows every action, every thought, every evil plan, and exactly what the future holds for each and every one of us. And Paul said it like this, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. When I was a newer Christian, I loved uh, Frank Peretti books. And two of the the books that were given to me by, by Christian people that really got me thinking about what might be happening in the spiritual realm were two books called, they were fictional books, called This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. And Frank Peretti had a, over, had a story that was being played out of spiritual warfare that, that Christians and non-Christians were going through, and then he would pull back the curtain and what he would envision what was going on in the spiritual realm. And you had angels talking and demons talking and, and plotting and moving and, and fighting and warring and doing all these different kinds of things. And they're, again, fictional books and take a lot of artistic license and how they portray what's going on in people's lives. But it kind of shaped a lot of my early ways of understanding God in the spiritual realm. And when I read a scripture like what we just read that talks about putting on the armor of light, when I first read these books, I could imagine that having the spiritual armor of God that's described in Ephesians 6 or having myself clothed in Jesus Christ, that when I would walk into a place, that spiritual light would be shining so bright that demons would have to flee. And you know what? That is the ideal. That really is the ideal, that we are so clothed with the presence of Jesus that demons just flee. And you actually see several examples of this in the Bible. How many times in the Gospels did Jesus walk into town and a demon manifested themselves right in front of him? Don't come. Get away from me, Jesus. Don't torture me right now. Don't send me to the abyss. Don't, don't, Don't do anything. They recognized him for exactly who he was. And you might say, well, of course, that's Jesus. But what about Paul? Paul had very similar things happening in his life. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, also Paul's personal physician, writes of this event in the book of Acts. Acts 16, verse 16, he said, And we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And in that moment, that Spirit left her. This is a very intriguing account of the book of Acts. Because one of the things I found amazing is that Paul didn't cast that demon out immediately upon seeing it. He he let this go on for several days. And I don't know if this girl was saying it in a mocking way or constantly interfering with Paul trying to stand up and speak and tell people about Jesus, kind of like the debate we saw last week. Nobody could get a word in edgewise. They kept interrupting each other. And 
I suspect that Paul wanted to distance the gospel message from that spiritism that everybody else was into. That he didn't want, he didn't need Satan to be doing his job, to to be equating what was going on with that girl with Jesus. So I think that's what eventually he, uh, why he cast that out of her. But in relation to what we're talking about this morning, think about that demonic spirit that was inside this girl and how it reacted to seeing Paul clothed with Jesus Christ. Now, who did that spirit actually see? Paul or Jesus? I think you saw the spirit of Christ. And that's how exactly how the world, both physical and spiritual, should see us. You know, one of the complaints and one of the struggles that I hear from, from many of you and from other Christians is how they have to go to work or have to go out into the public and into a world that is very profane and dishonoring to God. And that's a struggle, isn't it? You go in and there's, there's bad language, there's bad subject matter, there's just stuff you don't want to have inside your mind and your spirit. And it's a struggle sometimes, especially when you're at work and you have to be around certain people. But, might I suggest that instead of complaining about the atmosphere at work or school or wherever you're at, that we put on Jesus Christ and let His light change that atmosphere. Anybody ever heard of the pastor Crawford Loritz? Fairly famous Christian speaker. He was talking about a time that God was impressing upon him that he needed to get into better shape. Because God was about to expand his ministry and he wasn't going to be able to do it because he was kind of, kind of heavier and he needed to lose some weight and get in better shape so he could, he could carry that, that kind of um, work and burden that he was about to, to get because God was going to require so much more from him. So Pastor Loritz, he was obedient. He buys a gym membership and he hires a personal trainer to help him. And his personal trainer knows that, you know, guys in their 40s and 50s, they, work, they start working out and they give up right away because they get so sore so fast and the soreness lasts for days. So he would always tell his, his, his clients, the trainer, that I want you, as soon as we're done, to go soak in the hot tub for at least 20 minutes. He goes, that's part of your workout. I want you to, as soon as you're done here, go take a shower, put your swimming trunks on, get in the hot tub, stay there for 20 minutes. So Pastor Loritz did just that. He switched into his, he took a shower, switched into his bathing suit, and got into the hot tub in the men's locker room. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a big city men's locker room, and especially the hot tub, but the language and subject matter there is not Christ-honoring at all. And he's a pastor having to sit here and listen to men's conquests, cussing, dirty jokes, all this kind of stuff. And it was really bothering him. And so he took it to God in prayer. He, he, he did his 20 minutes and he got out and he went, home, he went home and he was praying about it. He goes, God, I'm trying to be obedient to you. I'm trying to get in better shape and I'm trying to follow the instructions of my trainer. Well, what should I do about this? I don't want to go in there and have to listen to this. And it doesn't matter, it seems, if I go early, I go late. It's always like this. And God simply replied to him and said, take the authority I've given you and change the atmosphere. So Pastor Loritz goes the next day, did his workout, did his shower, switched into his swimming trunks, climbed into a hot tub full of men. 
The conversation in the tub was particularly rough that morning, so he just began to sing hymns. And he has a beautiful baritone voice. He also has a couple of worship um, albums out. And he starts singing hymns, and slowly but surely, the conversation started quieting down, and everybody was kind of looking at him. And he felt the Spirit of God said, you need to kick this up another notch. So Crawford Ritz just raises his hands. He starts singing in tongues. Now imagine that you are in a hot tub in a public place, and you have some guy that was going from Amazing Grace to and starting to sing in tongues, and the hot tub cleared out pretty quick. And he was all by himself just singing praises to God in that hot tub. He learned a lesson that is valuable to us this morning. I'm not saying that we should go and make people uncomfortable. I'm not saying that we should go and and jam Jesus in people's face. But instead of complaining about a lack of godly atmosphere wherever you are, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and let His light, His nature, His power shine into the hearts of people around you. And finally, Paul says in verse 14, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Paul tells us that by putting on Jesus Christ, we will then begin to lose that need or desire to have sin in our lives or rebellion. Because by nature, having Jesus Christ living in us, upon us, and through us, we will lose that desire to want to gratify the sinful nature. Because light can't have darkness in it, or it's not light. And neither can darkness have light in it, or it's not darkness. And that is a test each one of us has to take, because it reveals what, and more importantly, whose nature really exists in the deepest parts of our soul. The Bible says that we are to work out our salvation. And this is part of the way we do it, by clothing ourselves in Jesus Christ. Because on this side of eternity, we're going to always be struggling against that that sinful nature, always be struggling against those desires of the flesh. But the more we expose it to the light of Jesus Christ, the more we can see it for what it is, and the more we can allow the brilliance of Jesus living within us to sterilize it away from us and renew, and renew us so that we can reflect Him to the world. Amen? Let's all stand. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, for this book of Romans. Who, It teaches us deep truths of the Scripture, and it also gives us very practical ways to live out our faith. Lord God, I ask that you take these words and you just bury them in our hearts, that you've used them to change our thoughts and our attitudes to reflect those of yours, and you, that it puts us back on the mission you have for us during this time to stand, to stand as ambassadors for you, to stand as examples of your grace 
to stand as examples of your love and to stand as examples of those who have been brought out of darkness and into your wondrous light. But that is only done if we clothe ourselves in you. So I ask, Father, that you do that this morning. That if there's a sin, if there's a, a habit, if there's a, 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 an ounce of rebellion within us that is keeping us from progressing further in you, if there is an ought that we're carrying or a, a grievance that we have against someone that has not been confessed, that we just release that to you right now in Jesus' name. Let us release it so that your light can shine brilliantly through us in a lost and dying generation that desperately needs you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you, Lord. And I bless your people now. Use them to proclaim Jesus in every way as they are clothed in you this week. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.